you know, we use the word inflammation sort of broadly, but it's the, it's basically biological rusting. Um, you know, if you have an old car that's been sitting in the garage a long time, even if you take good care of it, the chrome may rust. It oxidizes, and that's what's happening inside of our bodies. Um, as it turns out, the right microbiome helps slow and reduce uh, inflammatory changes that we're exposed to from our food, our diet, our, our, our sleep, our stress, our environment, our, what's in our water, what's in the air. So ultimately, the brain benefits from having less exposure to inflammation. If that, in part, comes from healthy gut microbiome. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are going to talk about the link between brain and gut health. We're going to discuss the leaky brain and how to reduce your risk of neurodegenerative disorders how inflammation plays a role in that, and cutting-edge techniques in regenerative medicine to help to reduce this risk, as well as helping with um, joints or potentially surgeries, reducing those risks. We're going to talk about stem cells, exosomes, PRP, and hormones. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and today my special guest is Dr. Jeffrey Gross, MD, who studied biochemistry and molecular and cell biology under Nobel Prize winning professors. He then attended the George Washington University School of Medicine in Washington, D.C., before completing seven years of postgraduate training in neurological surgery, including a fellowship in spinal biomechanics. Having practiced for nearly 25 years, Dr. Gross ties together his super conservative approach to quality healthcare focused on non-surgical, minimally invasive, and cutting-edge regenerative medicine options. In the last five years, additional research and training has led to an expansion of his care to anti-aging and longevity medicine, given its overlap with regenerative stem cell medicine. He's currently working on a how-to book share anti-aging tips with everyone called Young Again. Standing head and shoulders above his peers, Dr. Gross has won many awards, including top doctor and top-rated neurosurgeon. He's a self-admitted overachiever. Dr. Gross strives to put his patients first above all else. He also provides regular volunteer medical care and fosters a number of charitable causes. Dr. Gross, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am actually very excited to talk about what we're talking about. Sometimes I feel like I talk about similar things over and over again, but it's really going to have, it's going to be nice to get a perspective from a neurosurgeon, from a brain perspective, and also anti-aging. So thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm honored. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. So, you know, so obviously this is a gut health reset podcast, right? So so what is the relationship between gut health and brain health? Well, uh, a number of things. And first and foremost, I mean, there is an axis or a connection between the two. The 
the, the microbiome, the gut microbiome and the nutrients, the small, the small biochemicals that we get help with producing and refining from our, you know, microbiome, our guests, uh, our visit, our invited guests, not the uninvited guests, you know, our, in our gut, uh, do help with, um, brain health. They help with mood. They help with, uh, reducing neuro excitation and inflammation. And those problems can cause seizures and they can cause, you know, accumulated problems like mistangled proteins that lead to Alzheimer's disease and other types of dementias. So as it turns out, um, we are learning more and more about the sensitivity of the nervous system as it relates to gut health. Okay. And have has there been any findings associated with some of our invited guests? I like how you said that. Um, versus in, versus some of these neurodegenerative conditions or seizures or you know etc. Yes, the the recent literature in the last few to five years has been just exploding with um, the importance of the proper microbiome and replacing uh, a faulty one. Not of our fault necessarily, but because of our food, because of it things in our environment, pesticides, because of um, the types of foods and the exposure to toxins uh, that are pro-inflammatory, like sugar, too much refined sugar, that um, by by uh, replacing or uh, repopulating a more desired uh, flora or group of invited guests, uh, the brain does better in the long run. And as we as these studies go out longer in time, we'll have more longitudinal time to review these things. But one study uh, I recently came across was, uh, you know, uh, providing probiotics in a nursing home facility to people that were not taking them. And they had across the board improvement measures in cognitive performance in in an aged population. What have... Has there been any studies that have shown maybe gut health, probiotic health, prebiotic health in um, neurodegenerative conditions um, like Alzheimer's, uh, for example? Yes, there's very recent work on this. Um, there is a direct correlation between a, a dysbiosis or the more uninvited guests or no invited guests, antibiotic use, things like this, to um, an increased risk. Or, or or earlier onset of uh, inflammatory brain issues such as dementia. And is, is the same true as it relates to things like Parkinson's? I mean, it, it, are, are we seeing inflammation be the underlying causes of some of these neurodegenerative diseases that you you kind of alluded to that? Uh, absolutely. You know, we use the word inflammation sort of broadly, but it's the it's basically biological rusting. Um, you know, if you have an old car that's been sitting in the garage a long time, even if you take good care of it, the chrome may rust. It oxidizes. And that's what's happening inside of our bodies. Um, as it turns out, the right microbiome helps slow and reduce um, inflammatory changes that we're exposed to from our food, our diet, our, our, our sleep, our stress, our environment, our, what's in our water, what's in the air. So ultimately, the brain benefits from having 
less exposure to inflammation, the fat in part comes from healthy gut microbiome. And have there been any other correlations to why? I mean, because it seems like these neurodegenerative diseases are on the rise. You know, I mean, would you agree with that? I think that's true for a number of reasons. One is I think we're living longer, so we're more likely to accumulate these things. Two is our environment has more and more toxic or pro-inflammatory exposures, Um, you know, whether it's chronic diet issues or from our food source, pesticides, all these different things. Uh, I do think it's on the rise. So you have said, hey, there there can be a correlation between some of these neurodegenerative diseases and leaky gut, leaky brain. Um, We've covered a leaky brain a little bit on this, but, you know, what's your definition of, of leaky brain and how does it contribute to some of this, some of these conditions? Well, think about uh, maybe uh, a brand new house made of bricks and the mortar is perfect and fills in all the gaps. But, you know, a hundred year old brick house, you know, some of the mortars kind of crumbled away and, uh, you know, might be little spots where bugs get in. Well, our blood brain barriers made up of cells along um, the vessels, the arteries that go to our brain and along the veins that go out of the brain. And um, over time and when exposed to inflammation and other degrading biochemicals and exposures, um, those junctions are not as tight and sealed and uh, the, the Tupperware has warped a bit and things can pass, whether it's very small molecules or what have you. And that's where the leakiness comes in. It's an, it's an improper biological seal from the cells in that area. And it comes from um, deterioration of the actual cells and the cell surfaces and the molecules that they use to seal themselves. And uh, that occurs as part of the inflammatory process. So basically, uh, it's something I have in common with leaky gut and leaky brain and probably other parts of the body who uh, who leak of, of sorts. I've heard a cardiologist say leaky heart. So, you know, I think definitely, definitely other parts of the body. So what it, what's the solution to potentially leaky gut? I mean, you've, you've quoted some or you've said some of the environmental toxicities, our food, our microbiome. Is it changing those things uh, or, or what do you think is uh, a solution, a good solution for this? It, well, it's some of all of it. You know, it's, it's, it's going back to the way the earth uh, meant for us to be, to eat, eat as healthy as we can, eat our organic foods, our fruits and vegetables, uh, hopefully without pesticides and um, to, you know, e- even those carnivores in the group eat, um, you know, lean and um, grass-fed meats and uh, to get our protein because protein itself is the right, uh, the right amount is excellent for anti-aging to maintain muscle mass, but too much can be pro-inflammatory. So we have to be cautious and find the Goldilocks zone, Goldilocks zone for that, but also avoidance of envir- other environmental uh, stressors, that cause inflammation like electromagnetic fields? You know, do we do you sleep with your cell phone under your pillow or can you put it away for a while, diminish your exposures to things? And then uh, there are other things we can do to prepare our body to be more, more resilient 
uh, like intermittent feeding and frank fasts for anywhere from one to maybe three days at a time uh, on a periodic basis. We could do um, sauna or cold plunge to have temperature uh, stressors. So a little bit of stressors help us release survival proteins like heat shock proteins, and those are anti-inflammatory. And then, um, you know, proper hydration, electrolyte balance, uh, good supplementation. Um, you know, um, in the older population, consider bioidentical hormone replacement uh, as long as it's safe. And then and the final coup de grace would be consideration of something very serious in the anti-inflammatory world, and that's regenerative medicine. So we're talking stem cells and exosomes and things that have a broad anti-inflammatory effect. And all of that, of course, on top of the right gut microbiome, um, you know, making sure that the, uh, the you know, uh, probiotics, the fiber is proper, the uh, and, and voluminous in the right way, and uh, et cetera. Well, so there's so much I'm going to go off on this. So I want to just start by saying it's... Um... I keep forgetting I'm talking to a neurosurgeon. So, um, so you know, how this seems very different than maybe how you were traditionally trained, or maybe I'm off base on that. Can, but can you tell me how you, you kind of went into a more regenerative medicine approach, a more natural, holistic approach? Because it's so interesting. Sure. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of people want to know, like, what happened to you? Like, you know, I love it. I mean, you're yeah. right up my alley. So you're, you're not <laughs> off, you're not off base at all. It, it's a fun story of sorts. Um, I, as a neurosurgeon, I was always enticed by the, the unknown frontier of the brain and the nervous system. Uh, but uh, it, you know, there were, there were challenges and I, I actually did most of my work in the spine. I am a spine fellowship trained doc. I, um, I know you have chiropractic background. I, I have, I've usually had a multimodality spine practice through the vast majority of my career. We've had chiropractors in the office, acupressure experts, physical therapists. We've had the whole range of things because we wanted always surgery to be the last option. The surgeries we do for the spine, except for some of the smaller, minimally invasive ones, are pretty big, open things. And there are so many more... Um, interventions we could add before we ever get to surgery. So I always reserved surgery for people who just absolutely could not function anymore. There was no other option for them. Well, so, you read the literature. You have really read the literature. I bet your success rate was outstanding doing all the conventional modalities before surgery, which I'm sure your success rate was super high. Well, if by success, we, we did a statistic. Uh, we looked at my practice over a 10-year period and it was less than 5% of my patients ever uh, needed surgery. So I think that's success. Um, and, and, you know, my as I tell patients, the job my job is this, to do the best I can to help you without surgery. And then if I fail at that, to do the best surgery I can do for you. So with the least invasion, right? We don't want to fuse the whole spine if we can help it. But I, I got frustrated because patients were frustrated. And even those who needed surgery wanted options. And we all... You know, I, I'm a frustrated molecular biologist and biochemist from undergrad, and I missed that. So I went back and I retrained, and and I I got into regenerative medicine, stem cell medicine, because I wanted to apply it to the spine, and I do. 
But now I'm applying it to so much more and I didn't expect to. So I we do all kinds of knees and shoulders and joints and anti-aging uh, and anti-inflammatory approaches and biohacking. And it's been it's been a fun journey. And um, I wish I had started this part of my career sooner. Mm-hmm. That's that's really interesting. You also mentioned hormones. And so I'd be curious to know. So um, I'm I'm a big fan of hormones. I think, you know, things certainly fall off in your 40s and in 50s and 60s. And like the quality of life really diminishes. And that's when we see things like high blood pressure, et cetera. But there's been um, some interesting comments, and I'd love to hear what you have to say about this, about, um, you know, if a woman is off hormones, you know, for some amount of time, a lot of doctors will not put them back on hormones at risk of throwing a clot or having a stroke. Do you agree with that? Um, there is evidence that uh, some of the female hormones can be, um, you know, a foster uh, a higher risk of clotting, but that can be mitigated too. Uh, can be mitigated with something simple as baby aspirin. Can be mitigated with something more significant. And I think the the if we can find the right balance, ultimately, maintaining your uh, hormones of your sex uh, uh, are are a very anti-inflammatory and anti-aging way to go. And the benefits there would outweigh the risk, particularly if you're mitigating the risk. If you find ways to keep your blood thin, you could, there, you know, more green leafy vegetables and, um, you know, activity, activity, activity is very anti-inflammatory exercise, weight-bearing exercise. And the two best measures of longevity are probably bone density and muscle mass. So, to maintain muscle mass, you need testosterone. Uh, you just do. Um, and to maintain, in a woman, to maintain bone density and prevent osteoporosis, you can't just take calcium, right? You need your vitamin D, which is a hormone, and you need uh, the estrogens to drive the density of the bone with weight-bearing activities. So the, this is rather simple, even if there's a gap. And we see, I see clients like that all the time. They come in uh, you know, they've gone through menopause, years have passed, and I still bring in a bioidentical hormone replacement specialist to find some balance where we can get them back into a more youthful-like state. And what are you seeing? So, I mean, uh, yeah, I love hormones. So what are you seeing with stem cells? Stem cells is your passion. Is that correct? Well, stem cell medicine, I, I you know, I, I'm doing more exosomes these days and if, if you like, I can take uh, you and your audience through a, just a one-minute primer on it. I think you should. Yeah. Okay. Well, as as we all know, uh, our body, uh, we were we were once a, a ball of cells in our mother's womb, and those cells were stem cells. And those cells divided wonderfully and rapidly and developed this into a fetus. And the fetus gives rise to cells with less power, but they're still stem cells. And then we're born, and then our cells are differentiating, becoming an organ or a bone or a muscle and, and kind of the final use of that cell. But the stem cells still give rise to new cells, particularly in the skin and liver and in some of the organs that are more regenerative than the others. Well, as we age, our stem cells and our own cells kind of get sluggish. They get gummed up with all this inflammatory change and they just don't work like they used to. And that's why a three-year-old who scrapes his knee on the sidewalk heals that scab in days 
Whereas a 70-year-old who bumps her elbow has a bruise for two weeks. So I, how can we tap back into that same, I mean, our genes haven't changed. I want to tap back into that healing at the youthful way that comes from the stem cells. So for over 20 years, particularly in Europe and China, because we have some regulatory issues that slow things down here in the U.S., stem cells can be used to stimulate this, uh, this power. And we've seen this many times over. Um, and and uh, it can stimulate a, a more useful regenerative healing when used properly. Well, it turns out those cells don't last forever. They last maybe five, seven, 10 days, but the benefits can go on longer. So some smart people figured out that it's not just the stem cells that are giving that benefit. It's the stem cells are communicating with small particles, a little bit of membrane with some growth factors and micro RNAs in, in little particles. And each stem cell gives off these exosomes or extracellular vesicles that communicate with their own cells and our own stem cells, activates them, tells them act more youthfully, regenerate, restore. So now we can just get the concentrated exosomes uh, and skip the middleman of the stem cells. Um, so we get these from perinatal sources, uh, and um, they are as youthful as you can get. They're ethical, they're screened, they're tested, they're available on the market here from FDA-compliant labs, even though using them is not yet approved by the FDA not unapproved, but they're not yet, uh, we can't make any claims as to curing or treating anything, but they're very anti-inflammatory and they can be used in a variety of ways. And, and so you said one, uh, when properly used or, or properly extracted, um, what are the, what, what should people be hesitant about? Cause, um, sometimes people have a hard time finding maybe a reputable, place um for that right. well i uh, you know let your, your for those of you all older like me uh you might remember the jiminy cricket film strips we had in kindergarten let your conscience be your guide right so um you know there are a lot of places outside the country and they have they've been here for a long time they've done good things but we, i don't know where their cells and exosomes come from i don't know the screening and the testing most of the labs in the U.S. that supply to clinics like ours, you know, we purchase these from reputable labs. We have a lot numbers. They're screened and tested. They have FDA compliance certificates uh, from the labs. So first, the source of the biologics. We call these biologics. Uh, second, um, you know, is, is your clinician experienced uh, in regenerative medicine? Do they do this kind of thing? Uh, um, you know, and... You, you can tell, is it, is it a clean office? Uh, you know, do they have the right, you know, set up? You, you'll, you'll get a feeling for it. For years, professional athletes were leaving this country to get treatments. They were going to Europe and uh, Central America, Panama, even Tijuana now has clinics. But they are available here in the U.S. Again, you're not going to see as significant advertisements in the U.S. because we can't make claims like they can in Panama or other places. Um, and you should ask questions, you know, how many cells am I getting? How many exosomes am I getting per dose? And and compare, because there are, for example, some cosmetic products that estheticians use for the, the skin that have exosomes, but they're one one hundredth of the dose that we might give or something. 
This is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit dranmariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. What are you actually um, seeing? What are you seeing regenerate? What are you seeing change? Like, you know, what have you seen from your experience? So my, my low hanging fruit and most exciting area is cartilage regeneration. Um, uh, I'm not making any claims. But no, it's just what you've seen your experience. <laughs> I can I can show before and after MRIs, for example, in knees, uh, where we have uh, had a significant uh, uh, wear and tear changes in cartilage of the knee, and uh, 18 months later, uh, we repeat the MRI because we want to see what it looks like in someone that feels much better and can function better, and we have seen uh, the cartilage size increase in the knee and uh, restore to a better looking state. So I do believe that's regeneration of the collagen and, and the other proteins that make up cartilage. Um, and we show this repetitively. We're doing a lot of joints. We're doing it in the spine as well. And I'm collecting some data and hope to show some disc restoration, um, but we will see. Um, and then we do a lot of uh, sports type things like tennis elbow, you know, ankles, Achilles tendonitis, um, places where you might have gone for platelet-rich plasma injections in the past and you have to go three or four sessions, you may only need one session with exosomes. And then we have the anti-aging crowd. We have people that come in for um, biohacking, for IVs. Um, the autoimmune crowd also, we have people with uh, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, um, autoimmune thyroid conditions, arthritis type issues who come in for the IVs because then they have a whole body response. Um, and if we have someone recovering from stroke or someone with dementia or someone recovering from heart attack, the exosomes uh, IV uh, have been shown in my experience to be useful. Exosomes, by the way, are small enough to cross the blood-brain barrier, even in a healthy blood-brain barrier. So anybody with really wants to get a dose or brain power, um, it would be from the exosome. Stem cells are too big to really make a significant penetration to the brain. So when we do the IVs, people leave feeling alert and refreshed and uh, effervescent and have cognitive performance that lasts for weeks or months. Very cool. You know, so it's been interesting. Yeah, so I, there's been a, a couple cases where I've had bone on bone uh, in the knees, for example, 
or, you know, just a torn up shoulder that actually is surgical because it's a grade three tear. So that means that something's just not attached anymore. And the the shoulder with the ligaments, um, stem cell worked amazingly. It was incredible. Um, so stem cell. Okay. Um, and then in the knees, there's been mixed results with stem cell, not exosomes, but stem cells. Do you know why? Because I've I do. Seen very mixed. I do. Um, and this this is not of my doing. I, I will reference uh, Dr. Hernigau uh, from France, who's published over 15-year follow-up. They took patients who were recommended knee replacement. So they already had bone on bone uh, and pain. And they offered these patients to join their stem cell study. This was before exosomes. They were just stem cells. Uh, and of course, stem cell preparations generally have exosomes in them and the stem cells give off exosomes. So they're in there. So they, they divided the test groups into two groups. So one got an injection into the joint where the meniscus is. And the other group got stem cell injections into the subchondral bone above and below. And why there? Well, that's where your stem cells are. So if you want to activate your own healing mechanism from the place where that cartilage came from in the first place, right, that growth plate, uh, you got to inject the bone. They found, it, according to their 15-year follow-up, and they publish this every five years, they've been doing it so long, that after, in the bone injection group, 80 to 85% of those patients still did not need a knee replacement 15 years later. That means they fix them over a 15-year period and are still fixed. The joint injection group also did well in the in the five-year and the 10-year, but by a 15-year, only about 25% of them still had a good knee. So that that shows that the bone injection is much better. So any study that showed mixed results was probably a joint injection, not the nearby above and below bone injection. And and PRP, you also referenced PRP. Um, how have you seen PRP compare to stem cells, exosomes, et cetera? I don't have any head-to-head -head studies or my own experience because when I got into regenerative medicine, doing PRP was, was like you know, 1% of what I could do. So why goof around with something of so low potency? Don't get me wrong, it still works, it's available, and now even health insurance covers it, even though it also is, is not FDA approved, interestingly. Mm -hmm. um, but but uh, PRP is, is uh, you know, much less potent regenerative uh, effect, fewer growth factors. <clears throat> and remember, you're drawing them from someone who is of a certain age. I'm 57. So my PRP is 57 years old. That's like changing the oil in your car and putting it back in. <laughs> so um, I would rather have a whole new, you know, reservoir of oil in my car by changing the oil. <laughs> it's been super interesting. So do you feel like a lot of the stem cell, the regenerative medicine is actually going to replace surgical interventions? I hope so. Uh, I, I we're trying to, and I think that you know, with the right um, political, economic, and regulatory assistance, we can move into even more of a prevention mode, and we can stop being a sick care reactive healthcare system, and we can be a preventative, uh, which is probably less expensive in the long run, a preventative system. But yes, the goal here is to catch people who are bone on bone 
give them an option before they have a knee replacement or a spine fusion and hope we can um, salvage a lot of those people to prevent the big open surgery. So I do want to just go back to the IVs um, with the stem cell and the exosomes. What I mean, what have you seen with autoimmune disease per se? Calm down. Have, like you, you mentioned Crohn's disease with that. Have are these people not having any more relapses in the time that they have been watched? Is it just less frequent? What are you seeing with um, with flares? Yeah, most of them have a multiple months, depending on how bad they are to begin with, of significant benefit that they haven't noticed in years. Mm-hmm. Some of them then need repeat. And we don't tell them, okay, you got to come back every six months. We just evaluate everyone as an individual in a precision way. And we and people know when it's time and they call us. Um, but the the more inflammation someone has in their body, the bigger kick or response they'll typically get from the anti-inflammatory benefits of exosomes or the other IV approaches. Um, Interestingly, these patients do have a few days of a flu-like response. They feel achy right after the IV. And I believe the reason is all these pro-inflammatory proteins are coming out of their cells into their bloodstream. It's like you have the flu. And when you have the flu, you have all these pro-inflammatory proteins and you feel achy and you feel yucky and it's it's you know flu-like symptoms. So we do see that for a few days, but once that clears, they they feel refreshed and and better than they felt in a long time. Amazing. And with the same thing that you're seeing with, for example, you said autoimmune thyroid, so Hashimoto's or Graves disease, for example. Right. Are are you seeing some of those go into remission for some period of time? So I haven't, you know, we've been doing the IVs maybe about three years. I don't think I have enough numbers and time to say remission. Uh, We have these periods of prolonged benefit, and then we're watching closely to see what we need to do. Um, I haven't had anyone who has not had a a good response, at least partially. You know, I I don't think we're, are we curing anyone? No, I don't think so. I don't think we're, you know... Yeah, we'd love to, but I don't think we can at this point. But we are learning a lot about the inflammatory burden that these problems uh, involve. And so many diseases of aging are have an inflammatory role, which takes us back to the gut issue. We got to keep our gut healthy or we're going we're gonna to accelerate the development of these diseases of aging. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, so, you know, I am terrified of that that this is more for me forever. But I'm terrified one day that I'm going to end up in a nursing home, be a burden to the people that I love, be hot wiring a golf cart, driving down the road because I'm a maniac that way. I'm just going to be very unsafe. But do you feel like the IVs are going to be a way to put off some of the brain deterioration um, potentially as a um, maybe a holistic way to address that before it gets to a point where you know, you're having placking, you're having severe placking, memory loss, et cetera. Yeah. We, we have a crowd, you know, our biohacking crowd who comes in uh, and they're usually younger or middle-aged and they are doing this they're to prevent, to slow the process of inflammation and degradation and deterioration of the brain and of other, of other body parts. So yes, I do think that's, it's a real thing now. I think it's going to be a growing thing. 
And, um, you know, we need to prioritize health in a preventative way. And this is one way to attempt that. And I read something kind of interesting that there was, um, that there were a lot of people that actually have lacking in their brain. And then some people are developing into full-blown Alzheimer's and other people are not. And one of the things that they said that helps that was community and connection. I don't know if you have an opinion or if you read any of that, um, but I'd be curious on just your comment there for final notes. I saw some pieces on that recently that there's a social piece that stimulates the neurotransmitters. Mm -hmm. Certain neurotransmitters are anti-inflammatory, certain are pro-inflammatory and excitatory, the, you know, the ones that give us anxiety and depression. So a social circle and you know, love and, and all the good parts about having friends and family and, and all that uh, is, is something we already know uh, promotes longevity. So I do believe in that. I don't think we know exactly all the mechanisms, but we're going to continue to learn about it because it's, it's, it makes sense. So interesting. Is there, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that's really important? It's all important. We could go for hours. But... I know, I know I can keep going. <laughs> but I think this is, uh, you know, I, listen, I love to teach people that regenerative medicine is out there. It's an option you know, look around your area, find someone, get an opinion before you have a big surgery or before you're put on a bunch of pharmaceuticals. Not that they're all wrong, but, you know, um, there might be other ways worth trying and it's okay. And, you know, people ask, does health insurance cover this? Uh, no, they won't because it's not FDA approved. You can use an HSA plan, a health savings account plan, because people control that. Um, but the costs have come way down because it's it's more available. So it's a supply demand thing, um, and you don't have to leave the country. You can. I'm not saying don't, but you know you want to make a trip out of it. Go to Panama. It's fine, but it's it's right here in the in the U.S. For my patients, we usually meet them by Zoom, and we get all the tests they need. If it's a knee, we may need a new MRI. We get all that set up ahead of time before they come visit us. And most of my work is based in the Las Vegas, Nevada area. I'm in Henderson, which is a suburb of Las Vegas. Is that your is that your clinic? It's all in Henderson. There's you don't have multiple clinics, correct? I I, I did have an office in Newport Beach, California. I'm I'm revising the office. I've closed that one. We're going to move and open a new one. Not ready for prime time, but we will have. Okay. So people can find you there. Where's a website that people can get in touch with you or a hold of you if they want to schedule? Yeah, you can reach out on Recelebrate is the name of the practice because, you know, we're re-stimulating your cells and you should celebrate that. So R-E-C-E-L-L-E-B-R-A-T-E. We're on Instagram because that's what us young kids do. We're on TikTok. We're on Facebook. Uh, um, we're on YouTube. We're on, uh, uh, where else are we? On the web. You can just go to the website, recelebrate.com. And there's a thing you can fill out and uh, we'll call you back or email you and happy to have a Zoom visit. And we'll take good care of you if you mention that you found us on uh, the on Dr. Barter's uh, uh, Health Podcast. Yeah, that sounds yeah. great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. This has been just a very, very interesting podcast. So I, I definitely enjoyed myself. So I hope 
the thank listeners you. did too. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.